This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The NFL Combine starts on Tuesday of next week. Mm-hmm. Really stuck up on me, kind of. It's the same time me every too. year, but it came real fast, a couple weeks after the Super Bowl ends. We'll be sending our crew out there, of course, Dale and Matt. I think it Matt. is a little bit earlier this year, though. Maybe a little like bit. I it's usually around like mid-March. But we'll have great coverage from the Combine oh, yeah, uh, all sure. week long. Dale and Matt and Wes, and I'm sure Jerry will be heading out there as well, as always. So get excited for SNR's coverage of the Combine next week. But it really is indicative of how the NFL has done such a masterful job of covering even the offseason with yeah. NFL topics, uh, NFL just, conversation. There is there is an offseason, but there is no down season. The only it's really just like 2 to 3 weeks between important dates. Like you mm-hmm. have the combine now a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. After the Combine's done, you'll have free agency officially open up, mm-hmm. so that'll be a lot of fun for a couple of weeks. And then right after that, it's the draft. And it's the draft time. is coming up uh, towards the end of April, and then the schedule gets released in May, and then it's mini camp in June, and then you're at training camp yep. at the end of July, and then it's the football season. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. NFL is king, and they do such a great job of making themselves king. With the NFL Combine, though, how much stock do you really put into that and I know a lot of people call it the Underwear Olympics. My take on it is I don't think that you go to the Combine, and I'm sure sometimes this happens, but it's fewer and farther between than you'd think where someone goes to the Combine, lights up all of the Underwear Olympics, and like just rockets up the draft board. To me, I think the Combine is kind of just you know checking off necessary boxes mm-hmm. to make sure that the prospects that you think are great valid- don't have any red flags yeah. about them like can't do the bench press that much or can't bench press as much as you'd want them to as a lineman doesn't have the speed of an inside linebacker that you thought he might played fast in college ran a four five four six does that translate to the nfl that's where i think the combine comes in mm-hmm. kind of just making sure that the prospects that you think are great you know the the um their skill set is able to translate to the NFL. I don't think that there's anything that you can really do at the combine to be like, wow, this guy was going to go in the fourth round, but what a combine he had. He's a first round pick now. I think it's really just a lot of, you know, doing their due diligence as a team and just making sure there aren't any red flags with these players. That that's how I view the combine. Yeah, it's I I actually have never heard of the uh, term you just used, the Underwear, underwear Olympics. Olympics. I like that. It a is lot. the Underwear Olympics. It's, I mean. Essentially, I mean, Jamarcus Russell looked great, just throwing a football without any pads on. And I, w- I mean, you're you're bringing up that example. A more recent one that I think of is Jordan Davis of last year, right? Everyone kind of knew he was this beast coming out of Georgia, but then after the combine performance, everyone was saying, "Oh my God, this guy is like how how big, and he's a defensive lineman, and he's how fast, and he's how physical, and." Just so quick, I I mean, yeah, I think the 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 combine is just a, a confirmation bias of sorts, right? You have your opinions on guys. You go to watch specific players because you know where you're drafting, right? You know who's going to be available to you if you're drafting in like the top five versus the top ten, where or the middle of the pack around fifteen or the end of the first round, and then it's basically anybody's guess. Uh, once the second round begins, or especially when you get into the later rounds, like the third and fourth. So you're really going to just see the guys that you have had your eye on for the last season, if not before then. 
and you're just you're just confirming with yourself that yeah, this is the guy that we want. He's performing at this level, and I mean, we we talked about Jamarcus Russell and Jordan Davis. I'm not really thinking of anybody in the opposite side of the thing where they showed up to the combine and had such a bad performance. Well, players really- know themselves better than ever now, and a lot of times I think they protect themselves from things in the combine. I'll give you an example: okay. Najee Harris. He didn't run the right. 40 because right. his speed ain't exactly NFL his running back suit, breakaway yeah. speed. So instead of showing that on tape and maybe having a team that was going to pick him go, do we really want a 4-5 running back? Do we really want that kind of guy? They would maybe you know get some trepidation about him. So instead he just decides, I'm not going to run the 40. You want to see me run? Put on the tape at the minor league football league that is the SEC in Alabama and watch me run over all those NFL prospects on the defenses from Tennessee and LSU and Ole Miss. So there are players that now definitely guard against, you know, negative um, things that could come about from their combine performances. So, and that's another reason why I think you can't really put too, too much stock into what happens at the combine. I mean, if players aren't going to participate in certain events like Najee and still go in the first round like Najee, how much importance is it really to run a 40, as long as you're not, you know, going out for running back and you mm-hmm. drop a 4.8, 4.9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example that you use, especially since it's so firsthand and relevant to this franchise in this city. I don't know who the steal. It's it's hard to know which teams, like, which guys. But you always know which teams, uh, ha- uh, which teams have certain needs. So you can assume... That the Steelers are going to be paying a little bit more attention, maybe to the defensive line unit or the linebacker unit or or the offensive line drills, stuff of that sort. And but you don't know which guys they have specific eyes on. No, and it's also important to note that the combine's not the end all be all for these prospects. They all have course, pro days yeah, at their right. own schools, and players that don't get invited to the combine will do pro days at mm-hmm. their own schools. So. Uh, there's more than just one underwear Olympic that you can go and confirm that you have the skill set to make it to the NFL. Combine starts on Tuesday next week and runs through next Monday. Uh, we'll talk a ton about it next week, of course, and like I said, have a ton of coverage out there starting next week. But today, I want to take these first two episodes and do something a little fun. I was reading ESPN.com, and NFL Nation mm. had 32 teams biggest off-season questions. So each team in the NFL, they listed their biggest question heading into the off-season. So I thought we'd just pick through them, agree, disagree with the question, and try to find an answer for each question. We'll start with the AFC side of things. Okay, and first, we always do. Starts with the AFC East. First team here is the Buffalo Bills. Their biggest question, according to NFL Nation, who will be the priority in free agency, Tremaine Edmonds or Jordan Poyer? Now, selfishly, I hope Tremaine Edmonds makes it to the market. <laughs> Not saying the Steelers will sign him, but I'd like a chance to You'd at like least kick chance, the tires right. on that guy. But when I look at this, and you had to, if you had to choose between either or, like if you are playing this game and let's say one is going to come back and one is going to leave, I don't know why you wouldn't take Tremaine Edmonds. Now, Jordan Poyer was good last year, mm-hmm. made the Pro Bowl for his first time, but he's 32 years old and mm-hmm. he's dealt with injuries in the past. Edmonds, who Coach McDermott said had maybe his best year in 2022. Okay is 25 years old, and he's entering his sixth season in the NFL. 
There is so much prime in front of him. I mean, think, and that's think why I think I'm a, attracted to him as a Steeler fan. He was a teenager he, essentially. When I know. He, he came into the league. Both the Edmonds are right. very young right, right, players, right, right, and now right. have amassed a very great amount of uh, experience in the NFL. So I just look at the age thing, and yes, Poyer had a good year last year, and yes, secondary is so important in today's NFL. But I just see the youth on Edmonds' side of things. You already locked up Milano long term. If you're the Bills, you could have an inside linebacker tandem that could be a top five one in the NFL for the next five years if you sign Tremaine Edmonds. So I think that's the way they should lean. I hope he makes it to free agency as a Steeler fan. Again, he might not be in the black and gold, but at least give a chance to interview him, bring him in, and and see if you can make a deal happen. But, man, if I was Buffalo, it'd be really hard for me to let the 25-year-old player walk and have the 32-year-old injury-prone player come back. Stay. Yeah, I I think I agree with you, but selfishly, you kind of hope they go with that older injury prone oh, yeah, player. Sure. But I don't know what they're gonna do, Tom. I mean, because think about another how, thing that might be interesting. Poyer might be cheaper in the free agency market right? than Edmonds because of his age and the position that he plays. Think about how many setbacks that Buffalo Bills defense had. Right? Yes. They what? Micah Hyde went down for a while. Didn't yeah. Jordan? I think Jordan Poyer was out for a while, and then we all know that the big name Von uh, Miller. Von Miller Went down for, for the rest of the year, for the rest yeah. of the season. So, if I was Buffalo, I I mean I think it's a no brainer. Even though they're completely different positions, you have to if you can only sign one, you should go for the guy who's a younger and b not going to have the issues that you have to deal with all season long on multiple fronts. And I know you you you're paying Josh Allen right. You're going to have to pay mm-hmm. Josh Allen. You, right. you you need a lot of money tied up in the stud quarterback. But other than him and Diggs, who offensively really commands that much cash flow? Maybe if you're not going to go out yeah, and right. get another wide receiver, if you're not going to go out and get another playmaker offensively, maybe just keep pumping as much money into the defense as you can and maybe try to find a way to bring both back. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. Is this list only about players currently on the team? Uh, it's it's not all about like who should they bring back. Like It's different for each team. Because yeah, I'm surprised I, it's not... Go out and sign another weapon for Josh Allen to use. I think that's probably priority number two. I would, if it were me, if I was in Buffalo, I would say it's pretty obvious how one-dimensional our offense is. Yeah, I think offensively, I would be inclined to sign a playmaker and then use my first-round draft pick on another playmaker. Mm -hmm. Like running back in the draft or wide receiver in the draft and then vice versa in free agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're still trying to solve the problem of finding a, a viable running game other than Josh Allen. And they're still trying to solve the problem of all we have is digs in the passing game. Gabe Davis, they have given every benefit of the doubt to try to become a number two. He's not going to get any higher than a number three. He'll have games where he looks like a number one. Steeler game last year, Chiefs game in the playoffs two years ago. But that's just a rarity for him and not anything he can get with some sort of consistency. So they tried Emmanuel Sanders a couple years ago. When he was past his prime, they they bring Cole Beasley back this year for another. They're almost at the grasping at straws yeah, I mean, phase you're, to you're try to find a second names. chance. You're not really naming difference makers. I mean, Dawson Knox is probably their mm-hmm. second best option, but you don't want him to be your second no. best option. He, he's a good tight end, but he's not Kelsey. He's not Mark Andrews. All right, the Miami Dolphins. Should the Dolphins pick up quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's fifth-year option? It's so tricky to do this one because play-wise, I'd say yes. I don't know how you're going to get better <laughs> than him at a quarterback um, unless you go out and you maybe get a Aaron Rodgers or, or you're into mm-hmm. one of those franchise mm-hmm. or one of those sweepstakes. But 
I think you've got your guy for the future, a guy that can win games, a guy that can get you the playoffs right. and probably win playoff games. It's just but that big thing, question, yeah. So that's why I think I'd answer this question so no. I wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option. I need to see him play next year and play healthy next year. If he's out with two more concussions next year, we're talking about maybe a career being ended prematurely, not just his career in the Dolphins being ended. I just don't know where where do the Dolphins turn if they if they can't move forward with Tua Tagovailoa because they're and, a good enough team. And then they put themselves in a hard place too if they do what I do and Tua plays 17 games, lights it up, they go 11 and six, make the playoffs. Then you have to pay him a ton of money when mm-hmm. you could have just had his fifth year option already picked up. So this is a very very tough one for the Dolphins to decide. Yeah, I mean. No team wants to have uncertainty at the quarterback, and I don't think the Dolphins have that. It's just the uncertainty surrounds his health, not his playing style and playing abilities or playing capabilities when he is healthy. So it's a really tough position that the Dolphins are in because if if there were no injuries, right, he would just be the guy, right? Like look at look at the look at the Eagles, for example. If rules are reversed, if Jalen Hurts was constantly getting dinged up, right? And I know he just took his team to the Super Bowl, so it's a little bit different. He's shown more. But that's because he stayed healthy, right? Philadelphia would be in the exact same position. They're physical guys. They're physical runners. And they take larger hits because of that. And it's just the fact that Tua has – I mean, I, I don't know if Tua's like a, a concussion-prone guy – like, it's very possible he's not, but the way the Dolphins handled it made him become one, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's—it's so, so hard to really, you know, pinpoint concussions and, and apply them as a blanket thing across the board because it's so different for each individual. But, yeah, the one thing that's pretty much understood is when you have a concussion, it's real bad to get another concussion real quick after you got the first one. That's, that's, that's than, no bueno. What was it, like five days yeah, later, that's, four that's days like later? Basically the worst Sunday thing you could do. Because it was a Thursday night game. Yeah, so th- four days later, he got that second concussion. Just he, a horrible handling by the Dolphins. And even though, like we, we've said before, oh, well, look at examples like, you know, RG3 or other mobile quarterbacks. They were figured out very easily, but that was from a different era. I mean, the mobile quarterback is in now. That That is who you want. I mean, Mike Tomlin spent all of 2021 saying— and He wants mobility. I need, a mobi- I need a mobile quarterback. I can't just have this 40-year-old guy just standing in the pocket, dr- like, dumping off the ball within two seconds of, of getting pressure. So guys like Tua or guys like Jalen Hurts or guys like Josh Allen— they're all prone to injury just because of their style of play. And I think, too, more so because he's not a big person. Yeah, he's right. very small for a quarterback. But the Dolphins are in this position where they have a really good mobile quarterback, and they just don't know what to do with him because he just he's dealing with his injury bug. Yeah, very accurate quarterback as well. Right. I mean, we, we, rem- we heard the story when they played the Packers on Christmas and Tua threw just two interceptions that— you didn't even see him throw when he was a rookie. Like, they were right to Packers players. Mm-hmm. He said that a, a day or two after when he was watching film, he didn't remember throwing the interceptions. So it was just Which a year. Which is scary. It's very scary. Yeah. But one thing that Marcel Louis Jock, the NFL Nation writer who covers the Dolphins notes, either way this shakes out, if Tua plays well next year, he ain't going to want to be on a fifth-year option in the, in, uh, the 2024 season. And on the other side of that coin, if he doesn't play well and gets hurt a lot, the Dolphins ain't going to want to be tied to that option in 2024. The New England Patriots. What changes to the Patriots' offense should we expect with Bill O'Brien back as OC? 
I think the first change will be just look like a normal offense. Again. Right. It will just operate like an NFL I mean, You're not offense. having a defensive coordinator exactly. call your offensive plays. They did such a disservice to Mac Jones in his second year of development in this league by having just a terrible offensive coordinator. I think Bill and Patricia running mm-hmm. things. Bill O'Brien's one of the better offensive coordinators around the league. Um, even as a head coach in Houston, I mean, he wasn't great, but you can't say he was a bad head coach. He got them to the playoffs a couple times. Just could never really find that quarterback position, um, which is ironic for a guy who's such a good offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But this is a good move for the Patriots. I don't know if it's good enough to get them into a wild card spot, mm-hmm. but they'll certainly be sniffing around just like they were this year and maybe be a little bit more dangerous because the play calling on the offensive side of things is going to be a lot better than it was last year because of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I, I think just a return to normalcy is the best way to describe it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they note here what that to expect. I don't really know, but you'll just see a much more function functional offense. They said here that one of Belichick's goals last year was to attack more down the field, and O'Brien will still lead uh, an offense that attacks down the field. But they expect to see a more consistent return of short and intermediate quick rhythm concepts, mm-hmm. things you saw Brady do all the time in New England. You know. Things that make the quarterback's life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you saw with rookie year Mac Jones. They didn't ask him to do everything. Just be a solid quarterback and distribute the ball around and will run the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And they made the playoffs because of it. They went 10-7. and seven. Last Next year, try to make Mac do a little bit too much. They end up going, what, 7-10, 8-9 and 10, eight, nine and missing the playoffs. Like Miss the playoffs, yeah. Um. I, I, I don't know. Again, there's we, we talk about Brady's ability while in New England to just make studs out of guys like Chris Hogan. I mean, <laughs> Julian Edelman came, came out of nowhere. Now we know he's this incredible slot receiver and Super Bowl MVP, but he was a nobody, right? He yes. was playing like defensive back for them a Wes couple Welker of times. Wes Welker wasn't right? nobody. He right? was just a kick returner for Miami and New York. You don't have Tom Brady anymore, though, so you need someone who can— you need weapons to help out your quarterback, and I just don't know what weapons the Patriots have. So at least they'll they'll get the help of having a play caller who knows how to run an offense. But the players on the field, I don't know if it'll really be enough currently if they go out and get somebody or a couple bodies that could easily help them. But currently, I don't know if the state or the or the current roster is good enough to elevate that team. Final team in the AFC East, the New York Jets. Their question is, is a veteran quarterback all this team needs to be a playoff contender? I'd say yes and no, because it depends on who the veteran quarterback is. If it's Matt Ryan, they're not making no. the playoffs. Well, if I it's, think it's a pretty obvious... They're thinking Derek Carr, they're thinking Or Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers right. They're not, I, they're not going for like a Joe Flacco. I think either one of... Well, they already have Joe Flacco. That's what I'm saying, is that he's a veteran quarterback, but he's not the answer. I think every... If you go Carr, if you go Rodgers... I think even if you go Jimmy G, Mm. they're a playoff team next year. Roster's so good. The only thing that held them back from being a playoff team this year and collapsing down the stretch was their quarterback carousel of Zach Wilson getting benched, Joe Flacco coming in, Mike White coming in. Like Like Joe Flacco won one game this year. They needed an average. Even though everyone thought, like, oh, Flacco's so much better. Zach Wilson's just so horrible. Flacco won one game. Yeah, and he didn't win the game that the Steelers needed him to at the end of the year against the Dolphins to get them in the playoffs. He looked terrible in that game. So I really do think... You know, it's not always easy to say you just plug in a starting quarterback that's average and you make the playoffs. But I actually think in this case that is reality. If they just plug in a starting quarterback who's a vet and just average, maybe a little above average, mm-hmm. doesn't turn the ball over a lot, lets that defense, which should be even better this year than it was last year, carry the day, 
but that running game with getting Brees Hall back from injury should be even better next year. Garrett Wilson take a step forward next year. All the pieces are there in place. They just need to get the the right guy driving the car. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. This team, I mean, we know how much talent they have at at, at young positions, right? I don't know the last time, if ever, a team had two players win offensive and rookie offensive and defensive rookie of the year coming from the same team. So it's not just they have talent on one side, young talent on one side of the ball, and the other side of the ball is still up in up in the air and, and questionable. But I, I I think that this team, I think this team in San Francisco are the two teams that are legitimately just a quarterback away from being legitimate threats. Like even though the the Niners did get to the AFC or the NFC Championship game, and if they didn't. If they weren't left playing with their four-string quarterback, a lot of people were saying, well, it could have been a very different game. They got there. The Jets didn't even make the playoffs, so it's hard to really gauge how good the Jets can be with a good quarterback. But I think they're a playoff team for sure in the AFC. It's just you're playing in the AFC. How hard, It's going to be pretty hard to make it all the way to the conference championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. On to the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens. How big of a distraction will it be if quarterback Lamar Jackson plays under the franchise tag? Well, I'll say this. If they don't come to a long-term contract extension and they do place the tag on him, he will not show up for off-season workouts. Mm -hmm. He will not show up to training camp, and I don't think he will show up to a single preseason game. And that'll be fine because he won't sign the tender, which means he's not technically under contract, Mm -hmm. which means he will not be subject to fine from the Ravens or the league for missing out on these uh, training camp and preseason games. I would worry that if he gets franchise tagged, you're going to deal with a Le'Veon Bell situation if you're the Ravens, where he might just opt to not play under the tag, save his health, save his season, and just keep op- and just keep hoping to find that long-term deal elsewhere. But if you're the Ravens, you just keep placing the tag on him because why are you going to let an MVP walk for nothing? Mm-hmm. So... Really tough spot that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are in right now. You'd wish that the two sides could honestly, I mean, I don't wish anything because I'm a Steeler fan, but you know, take that out of the equation. You would wish that these two sides could just come to a mutual agreement and realize, yes, you deserve a long-term deal, maybe not as long-term as you want because of the style of your play and the fact that you haven't had much playoff success yet. But we're still going to pay you top-tier quarterback dollars. It just might not be for six or seven years, and it might just be for three or four years instead. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably where they end up with this thing. That's where they're going to have to end up with this thing. Uh, again, they're instilling a new system under recently hired offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Lamar was supposedly allowed to have input on that hire. I, I don't know why you do that, offer him that, if you don't have plans to at least lock him up long term. So I think they get a deal done. I think it's inevitable. But it's going to be a very, very stressful offseason for our Ravens fans down in the beltway. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I don't even think this needs to have the header of how distracting will it be with the franchise tag. If there's just I mean, I understand that he's either going to probably be brought back under the franchise tag or not because I don't know if I see this team getting a deal done with Lamar. I just think the 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 caption should be how big of a distraction is Lamar Jackson going to be for the Ravens this offseason and then if it is under the franchise tag how distracting will that be during the regular season 
If he plays, it shouldn't be much of a distraction at all. But it's when he holds out is when things are well, going to get tough. Well, he'll play. You think he'll play? I There's a part of me that thinks he might not play under the tag. And hold out? skip out. Wow. I mean, the track record of what happened to Le'Veon Bell should sway people away from doing that. He dropped off pretty badly. But then again, you know, that's Le'Veon Bell as an individual. Who's to say Lamar right. Jackson isn't just going to rip workouts like crazy and stay in the best shape of his life instead of rap in Miami and ride jet skis like mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell did? <sighs> I mean, that's why I'm saying this whole thing is just the Lamar Jackson distraction, distraction is huge. It's huge. For the Cincinnati Bengals, their biggest question this offseason, what will the Bengals do with wide receiver T. Higgins? Uh, ben Baby, who covers the Bengals for NFL Nation, wrote a little blurb about this, and he thinks they should keep Higgins for the final year of his rookie deal and then not give him a contract extension. Essentially let him walk for nothing. Normally that's bad business. I agree with him here. Mm. I think you have a chance to win a Super Bowl next year. You bring Higgins back. You hope to God that you win that Super Bowl. And then you just let him walk in free agency. You draft another wide receiver to be Jamar Chase's number two. You'll always have Tyler Boyd. I think I don't think he's going to go anywhere as long as he's in his prime. He'll, he seems like a Bengal lifer to me. Uh, so I, I know that you know no GM wants to hear just let a guy of that talent walk for nothing. Of course. But I think you have to do it in this case just because you're not probably going to be able to afford him with signing Burrow and Chase having Higgins then command number one wide receiver money, which he will, just doesn't make much sense math-wise. But I would keep him on a one-year for that last year because, again, you have you are one of four teams, one of five teams maybe that I think legitimately could win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, I wouldn't deal him now mm. just to get a pick back for the future. You're trying to win next year, and he helps you better than I think anybody else could. Yeah, I mean he'll obviously help you. It just that's the that's the problem the Bengals face is that he's gonna help any team he goes to, mm-hmm. whether he stays in Cincinnati. He'll be a or wide not. receiver one anywhere else, right? So the Bengals are gonna have the issue of having to eventually pay Joe Burrow, having to eventually pay Jamar Chase, and deciding now: do we go out and pay T. Higgins to keep him on the team? which could potentially hurt the contract negotiations in the future for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean, Burrow's due for an extension this offseason. I bet he gets it. Next year's Chase's turn. Higgins is just kind of stuck. You know, those two guys are priorities, and they're ahead of you in the pecking order. The Browns question, I disagree with the question. If defensive tackle is the biggest area in need of an upgrade, what are the Browns' options? They definitely need to upgrade their defensive line and defensive tackle. Darren Payne might be out there if they can land him from the Commanders. Uh, I think the Commanders are planning on tagging him, though. I think the biggest question for the Browns is is obvious. It's Deshaun Watson. Is he going to return to form in any way whatsoever? At any point. Of course, you need to have a strong defensive line, and you need to shore up your defensive tackles, but... I don't think you you can have the best defensive tackle play in the NFL. I don't think you're going to go where you want to go unless Deshaun Watson becomes the two hundred and fifty million dollar man that you signed him to be. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's the biggest question for the Browns this year: is Deshaun Watson, you know, pre allegations, pre getting out of Houston, is that Deshaun Watson going to come back, the one that went to the AFC Championship game against Mahomes, or? Is it going to be the one that we saw for the majority of last year when he came back from his suspension and looked looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? That that would be my biggest question mark for them. I understand why they didn't put Deshaun Watson on this list or in this article because he's under contract. He's playing. Like, this is about what are you going to do with your roster in certain areas? 
he's guaranteed to play, right? Unless he has some kind of injury that sets him back even further, he's going to play, and he's under contract to play. So there's no worry about negotiations. And as of now, there's no worry about his health. It's just can he actually still play the game of football? So I understand why they, they're th- this article is focused its attention elsewhere. But, yeah, I don't think there is a really bigger question in terms of players on the roster. doesn't matter if they're signed, unsigned, free agent, restricted, whatever. Deshaun Watson's the biggest question mark surrounding this team by far and away. And now you're Pittsburgh Steelers. Their question is, will embattled coordinator Matt Canada, mm. of course it's Matt Canada, of course. make any changes to an inconsistent offense heading into 2023? He better. He better make some changes to yeah, an inconsistent offense. Yeah, the answer offense. is pretty obvious. It's right. just you don't— You have to the hope opinion, he does. The opinion yes. is pretty obvious, but the answer, we have no idea. Because you want, you want to be hopeful that a change finally comes, but Tom, how many times have we beat this drum? Right, make this change, make this change, make Beat this change. Beat the drum like the orcs marching out of Mordor, and buddy. Somehow, I've been beating it all day long. And somehow, some way, the Matt Canada offense is averaging less points per game than the Randy Feekner offense. And everyone was so elated when Randy Feekner was let go. Everybody and- was happy when Todd Haley was let go. Todd Haley was putting up like 30 points a right. game. They just didn't get along, Ben and Haley. I mean, and they had... Certain players. I think Ben them. had reasons to not get along with Haley too. But I, they I'm also had him. players yes, on that yes. roster that allowed they had the best them to score. Football. I right? Mean, yeah, yeah, the killer bees. So they better make some changes. One thing that uh, Brooke Pryor uh, notes, who is the NFL Nation reporter here in Pittsburgh, you know, Pat Fryermuth said on Ben Roethlisberger's podcast, they eliminated hot routes in the offense mm-hmm. last year. Kenny Pickett couldn't even do that. That's one thing that you need to open up now. Let Kenny, you know, make some changes at the line of scrimmage, audible out of some play calls. Open up the playbook and give Kenny Pickett more freedom. I think that's the main thing that he needs to change this year if he's Matt Canada, if you're a Matt Canada. And, again, you would think he has to do it. Like, he has to see that he's up against it here. And it was a surprise to a lot of people that he was retained this year and given that extra chance. But he doesn't have the luxury of having one year left on his contract after this season like he did last season. This is it. If he doesn't prove it... It's not going to be a, we'll sign him to another one-year deal. It's going to be the old, we've decided to mutually part ways at the end of the season. Right. <laughs> so he, The public announcing that you he better feel the together, pressure. it's better that you you go separate ways. He better feel the pressure. That's all I'm going to say. Because if he, if he doesn't, and if he doesn't implement any change, and if he just keeps doing the Matt Canada way or the highway, it's going to be another season where they score 17 points per game, and they're going to go 9-8. and eight. Because they can't score touchdowns. I wonder what you think is the bare minimum for Matt Canada to achieve in order to retain his job. The bare minimum for Matt Canada to achieve. Hmm. That's a great question. I would say he's got to get at least a like improvement of three to four points per game. I'm not, like, you can't just make a leap from, like, 17 points per game to 30 points per game. In a, a hard But if he right. can get to, like, 21, 22 per game, maybe has a couple games where they score in the mid-30s, you know, show some signs of improvement in life, then I would think about saying, you know what, Matt? You changed some things. We started to improve. We're slowly getting better. Let's see what another year of you and Kenny Pickett look like. Maybe that increases to 25 points per game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it has to be an increase, for sure. It can't be more of the same. It can't be minimalistically increasing. 
It has to be something where you look at and say, yeah, that was a, a tangible improvement. They're scoring about three to four more points per game than they were last year. That that would be the uh, that would be just the starting point for me right. to open that's up. The I still minimum. wouldn't guarantee that he comes yeah, the back. Bare after minimum that, is that's what we're the talking bare minimum. about. He's got to get into the twenties and closer towards the mid twenties mm-hmm. uh, in order for me to think about really bringing him back. All right, we still got half the AFC to go through. Took me a little longer than I thought it would, so we're going to wrap this episode up. We'll do the rest of the AFC in our next episode. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere through your smart speaker. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio from iHeart, and Alexa will take care of the rest. We'll talk about the questions surrounding the AFC South and the AFC West teams next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman, and you're listening to the Steelers Standard.